0: up each person that's here this morning to you, Father, and ask your blessing upon them, some that may be suffering. Lord, bless them and lift them up today. Minister to them, heal them, strengthen them, all that is needed and necessary. Lord, we we lift them up to you. And we pray, Father, for our sister Linda, who's in the hospital and is really suffering, Lord. And uh, we just pray for her healing. We pray that you'd relieve her of pain. We pray for her daughter, Tracy, and Just this time, Lord, going through so much, Lord, uh, that you would just be near to them and help them and bless them, Lord, we pray. We lift them up to you. We thank you, Lord, that you're committed to us and that you're never far away, that you're near to us, Lord. We lift up Sonny and Darlene to you and ask your blessing upon them as well, Lord. Bless them, we pray, and minister to them. We thank you this morning for all our children, and we pray for the classes this morning. We pray for their teachers that you fill them with your spirit and use them, Lord, we pray. But bless the children as they're growing up, Father. Have your hand upon their lives. Watch over them and bless them and work in them, we pray. We're so thankful, Lord, that we can put our trust in you, that you never fail. Jesus never fails. Thank you for your faithfulness to us, Lord. Fill us this morning with your Holy Spirit. Bless our time together in the word, we pray. Lord, minister uh, to us today that we might become and be growing the people that you've called us to be, Lord, that we might be changed and look more and more like Christ. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. Bless this time now, we ask and pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated if you're standing. If you're seated, just hold steady. You know, but... uh, So this morning we have uh, one of those things that is... uh, is a joy, a baby dedication in the course of our lives and uh, the things that we face and things that we go through. Uh, children, God's word says that children are actually an inheritance or a heritage that he has given us. Uh, and so from scripture, we, we see clearly the sacredness of life. Though that's lost in our culture, we as God's people uh, need to keep that as as central you know uh, for sure and then recently becoming a grandparent it, it just changes things it's just different you know and and uh, what a wonderful thing it is what a wonderful blessing uh, life is but this morning Chris and Leanne are going to dedicate Chris uh, we're going to have them come up in just a moment um, but I was asking them I remembering I remember you know the wedding they had out at, uh, out East and you um, I was just asking him how long ago that was, he said it was seven years ago, you know. And you know you know, part of that wedding ceremony when the bride comes down and, and uh, then I, I'd say who would give Leanne to be married to Chris today. And uh, Leanne's father did something I just never saw a dad do in any of the wedding ceremonies I was, ever did over all the years, and he did this. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at you, you know. And so I, I, that, that's a prerogative of a father. I mean, I understand. I understand. I, I've been a jail chaplain now for 35 years. I'll just say something like, I just want you to know I'm, I'm not afraid to go to jail. I just want you to know I'm not afraid to go to jail. And, and dads, daughters, and, you know, it's a, it's a special relationship and a very important thing, you know. But it just, one of those things that kind of stuck with me. We chatted afterwards that night and stuff, and, you know, he said, they told me not to do it. But, you know, I go, no, I understand. I understand, you know. But uh, this morning, if we could have them come up, I'd like you guys to come up with that your family, and... Uh, okay. Hey, Chris. How you doing, buddy? Hey. <laughs> I saw him in the back a little while ago. He was not this happy, you know, but I know how that, that can change, you know. here with me. He's on the move. The drums, I get it, you know. <laughs> Drums. Okay, Uh, we better move along here. So, just in in reading, Uh, and they brought children, young children, to Christ that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But Jesus saw it, and he was much displeased, and said to them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter in. And Jesus took the children up in his arms put his hands upon them, and, and bless them. And so we're going to do that this morning. We're going to pray for Chris, and we're going to lift him to the Lord. Uh, but for me, a dedication service is really about the parents, because Chris, he probably won't remember anything from this day, other than what Mom and Dad will tell him later on, and that's all important, and that's all good. But in the whole picture of this, in dedication, we believe that children come from the Lord, and we believe that they are the Lord's. And so we believe that all children are the Lord's. And, and so there's nothing that we have to do to a child to ensure if they leave this life, they're going to be with Jesus. We believe the children are going to be with Jesus for sure, you know, that they are, they are his. And so that's just, uh, you know, a thing that's in God's word. We believe that God's word is the foundation. It's in God's word, children are the Lord's, and so we believe that all the way. But the real responsibility here is for mom and dad because now mom and dad have this great task of raising a life and shaping a life. Now in our culture today, again, this is not really held up as something, but it's the most important thing. The most important thing that the responsibility they have of putting themselves into this. And and Chris, according to God's word, is the head of the home. I know that's not really popular. I could get stoned for saying that United States. I understand it, but the fact of the matter is it's a huge responsibility. And, and it's a godly responsibility. When a man is a godly man and Chris and I spend a bit of time together, we spend the time and pray, we pray and share and, you know, we've grown together in our relationship, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing when a man loves the Lord and he leads his home in, in godliness and it's a, resp- it's a big responsibility for the spiritual care of, of his family. And so Chris is responsible for that. And, of course, Leanna's mom, you know, putting in the scriptures and the word of God and sharing that uh, with the children is, is um, very, very important uh, in, in both of their lives. It's interesting to me that when sin first entered the human race in Genesis chapter 3, and God came on the scene, the person who sinned first was Eve. And yet when the Lord, when the Lord comes on the scene, he says, Adam, where art thou? In other words, I'm holding you responsible. So that's, that's a huge thing when you really think about that, you know. And, and when we understand that spiritually for a father, the father knows it goes, I got a big responsibility. You know, my big responsibility is to set the tone for my family, to cover my family in prayer, to be in that place of of uh, loving them and caring for them, raising my children, giving them time and and, and those kind of things. And God's word gives us uh, so much wonderful information that's there about uh, what that I- is involved. And the thing that involves more than anything is is relationships and just, you know, being together as a family and having time and and, and doing those things. And so this morning, um, could I, you think I could hold Chris? Is that, is that possible? Okay. You might need to bring his phone him. Okay, take the phone. <laughs> Technology, baby. <laughs> there, hold, hold that. Okay, Chris, you and I are just going to take a walk and look at all these scared people. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the reason I do this is because now after having spoke about mom and dad, now speaking to you, uh, Chris is going to grow up in the church, and he's two years old now, he's like getting around, and then he's gonna get around a little more, and a little more. And and then he's gonna be become real observant, because kids are observant yeah. and they're sharp. And when they see adults who will say stuff about Jesus, and they talk about religious business, and then somehow they're living lives that do not reflect that, then what happens is then they become disillusioned. And they go, oh, this ain't even for real. These people are like ca- characters, you know, and they're saying stuff and they're yelling at I wasn't running and stuff rather than talking nice to me or trying to help me. And so our example is of huge importance. It just is. And we just have to know that. How we live around children is huge importance. I, I watch men to see when there are men that love kids because to me that's a, just a tremendous quality. A man who loves loves a child loves children, and children are drawn to that because they have that. And so it's just, a, it's just an important thing for the body of Christ to be what the Lord wants, wants it to be. And so this morning, let's, let's pray for Chris. Lord, we lift up Chris to you right now, Father, and we just thank you for his life. We thank you for his mom and dad. We lift up Chris and Leanne to you, and his family, his sister. Father, we just lift them up to you, and we pray for mom and dad, and this great responsibility of walking with you, Lord, of keeping you at the center of their marriage and their home, and Lord, just uh, raising Chris in the ways of the Lord. We pray that you would bless and give them all they need, empower them day by day. You know, Lord, we fall short. You know our struggles. But, Lord, lift them up, I pray, and give them hope deep within their hearts and souls as they look out at the future. And bless Chris, Lord, we pray. We lift him up to you. Bless his life as he's growing up and watch over him, Lord. Keep him safe and just work in his heart and and all that his name means, Lord. We pray that it will be fulfilled in his life, Lord, as he goes on uh, to adulthood. Lord, bless him and carry him forward, we ask and pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just to mention real quick, I always have to look up the names of children I dedicate, except for Christopher. (laughs) I didn't have to look that one up. Because Christopher means Christ-bearer, one who bears Christ. And there's a book called The Light and Glory, which in the book, they had gotten a hold of uh, Christopher Columbus's mother's diary. And before Columbus was born, mom had a dream, and in her dream, her son, was gonna bear Christ to a new world, and so she named him Christopher, had that name before he was born, so that he was going to be named that because of of that that job or that position uh, or that ministry. And so Christopher has this phenomenal name of one who's gonna bear Christ in this world. Well, that could happen in a a million different ways, you know, as God just has his hand upon him, and he just shines through Chris and, and uses him, He's going where's the drums, you know. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, you know, but but what a beautiful name it is. And we just have two really little things to give you quickly. Maybe we could even give one. Give one to Chris. But wanted to give you a a, a Bible for him, good, you know, for for youngins. And then I was thinking I could do different things. And this was actually made by the widows in Uganda. And I just thought, as he's growing up, you could kind of explain that to him, these these women far away and the great needs that they have and how we help them at church and and all that kind of stuff, and, and that he would have a giraffe, you know, that's, that's from there, so, yeah. <laughs> he goes, drumsticks, forget the giraffe. <laughs> so, God <bless> you. Okay. <laughs> you. Okay. All right, beautiful. Let's uh, open our Bibles this morning to the uh, Book of Romans. We're going to return to where we were before Christmas and all of that, and we're going to pick up in Romans chapter 13 and verse uh, 11. Romans chapter 13, and verse 11 is where we're going to uh, we're going to be today. Romans chapter 13. And verse 11, as I left for jail this morning at 7.30, Nicole has this routine where her bed is right by the front window on the second story. And she has all pillows around it. So the way Violet wakes up in the morning, she puts up the the shade. And then Violet just looks out the window. And and she starts waking up. And she sees things. And and so now she saw me out the window. And so she started doing things. And so I'm throwing my hat up in the air. I mean, I'm just trying to, I'm just just doing stuff. And she's waving at me and goodbye and all this kind of stuff, you know. But uh, children are wonderful. Now, of course... There are times where they are, can be trying as well and, and testing. As a little Angelique starts that screaming thing, I go into a panic, you know what I mean? But I um, don't like screaming. But the fact is that uh, they, they are a blessing. And, uh, and, and our relationships are the most important things. You know, I, I tell that to men a lot, you know, because we live in a culture that's motivated by money, you know, and, it, and it's like, you know, work hard, get all you can. That's the most important thing. But I said, I know I forgot to say this to, to Chris, too. Chris, I'm going to say this late. But uh, the greatest gift, I believe, that, that you can give Chris is that he will grow up knowing how much you love his mother. And that will be the greatest thing that you can give him, that he'll watch that example, and he'll see how much you love Leanne. And that will just impact his life. And, and it's, it's just a powerful thing. But again, that's all focused on relationships. And we understand with Jesus, relationships are the most important thing. And we, we have to, uh, you know, we, we have to be focused on that to, to put time in and, and really um, realize and go, this this is the priority. The priority is spending time. The greatest gift you can give your children is you, is you, you know, and, and that's, you know, unless you're, you know, you're in darkness, but if you're, you're good, you know, you're good and you're not killing anybody, you're, you know, uh, addicted to drugs and alcohol, if you're you know you, you know, you love the Lord. The greatest gift you can give is, is yourself, and they'll carry that. They'll carry those memories for, with them forever. They just will. You know, this year I turned 65 years old. I could tell you what my great-grandfather did throughout my childhood and the time we spent and all these different things, because they were immigrants, and for them the children were everything. They were the most important thing, period, you know. And so they didn't have two nickels to rub together, but they just, everything everything was the kids. But anyway, that has nothing to do with this. Our title today is uh, Standing in the Last Days. We're going to look in in Romans 13, verse 11, and we have uh, three divisions here, and we'll see how uh, far we get with them this morning, but we're going to start in uh, verse 11. Our first section is wake up, verses 12 through 13 is clean up, and verses 14 is is grow up, and you'll see how uh, these apply, but let's read in verse 11, and do this knowing that the time, knowing, excuse me, and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for your salvation is nearer than when you first believed. So uh, Paul here writing 2,000 years ago, he's saying to believers, your time of of going to be with the Lord is, is, is closer than when you first believed. And 2,000 years later, guess what? That's true for all of us. All, that's all. Our time when we're going to be with the Lord is closer now than, than ever before. Now we know and believe the Bible. We believe that Jesus is coming again. We, this is our message in jail this morning. We were in 2 Peter chapter 3 on the second coming of Christ. Second coming of Christ, 500 Bible prophecies are given to us about that. We believe God's word. We believe Jesus is coming again. And we believe we have more reason now to believe that than ever before. But the Lord has always wanted His people from 2,000 years ago to believe the Lord could come at any time. Because if I believe the Lord could come at any time, it, it has a, it's a, it's a sobering thing in my own life. I'm I'm not going to be given to things worldly things. I'm not going to be sidetracked by the excesses of the world. I'm going to realize and go, no, the Lord could come at any time. You know, uh, this week I saw Tony Evans, who's a a favorite of mine. His wife had passed away, uh, tragically, cancer, suddenly, kind of was untreatable, and, and um, he was, he was uh, doing the service, and speaking of his wife, and, um, you know, and, and all that, but he made a statement, I just never heard it before, and he said, he said that people think being old is, is merely the age, you know, he said, but, but here's the thing, none of us know the time schedule of God, so if you're 40 years old, and you're going to die at the age of 45, you're old. <laughs> and he went through this whole thing of this. If you're 50 years old and, and you're going to die in two years at 52, you're old too. You only got two years left, you're old. But the thing is, none of us know that day. None of us know that time. And here, God's word is telling us to live this way, like it could happen at any time, because there's just something about that, I believe, uh, that will, will help us. to to walk close to the Lord, to understand how important our decisions are, how we live our lives, and what we're living our lives for, you know, and and so the importance of that. It's interesting that today after service, I should just mention real quick, we're going to have a memorial service, and so we had a baby dedication, a life that's come into the world, and then we have a memorial service, a life that's gone out of the world, and we're going to be you know, having that service afterwards. But today, uh, which is unusual, but today there will be no um, coffee and bagels and all that stuff. The room will be closed down because the family is going to use it after the memorial service, which we always offer to everyone, you know, whatever. But normally we have that, but we won't have, have that today. But the fact of the matter is, it's just that sense and understanding of knowing that the Lord could call us home at any time and, and to be ready for that. And and to be and so he's, he's saying this here, and do this knowing that the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for your salvation is nearer than when you first believed. Turn with me, if you would, keep your finger here, we're, we're going to come back. But turn with me, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're just going to take a look at a few verses here that talk about the coming of the Lord. First Thessalonians, chapter five, and we want to take a look at at some verses here. It's high time to wake out of sleep, for your salvation is nearer than when you first believed. The coming of Christ is is drawing near, and the Lord is, is going to return. It's always interesting to me that as we look at the East, the world is focused on the Middle East. And according to the Bible, that's the place where life and civilization began. And that's the place where it's going to finish when Jesus returns a second time. And so, it, again, we're, we're right there. We're focused on that and, and everything that's there. But uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write you. So he's talking to Christians. And he's saying to the, telling the Christians, you guys know what's going on. You know, you know God's word, you know the plan, you know what's going on. And and Jesus clearly had told us that he would, he would tell us everything, that we were his friends, uh, no longer servants, but we were his friends and we would know everything. Verse two, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night to the person who doesn't know Christ. It doesn't come as a thief in the night to the person who does. Now the Bible tells us uh, and Jesus let us know this and please get this right because we even had we had somebody in our own church who bugged out and this one of our leaders and, and left because he was setting dates when the Lord was going to return you know Jesus said nobody knows the day or the time when when I'm coming he said but you know the seasons So you see the fig tree, and it begins to blossom. You know it's spring, and summer is at the door. So when you see these things happen in the world, you'll know my coming is near, even at the door. And so the Lord is telling us we'll know the seasons. We'll know the days and the times. But we won't know specifically this day and time. So anybody... Writes books or you know, run, just run away, run away, save yourself, get out, May Day, May Day. When you know that, it's just, it's just, it's just, just go, you know. Years ago in the jail, it created a whole problem because the guys would listen to Harold camping on the radio. And Howard Camping wrote two books. How would anyone buy a second book? You know, he writes a book. The Lord has come, He doesn't come. Then he writes book number two. Who would buy that? You know what I mean? People bought it. They bought the book number two. I go, don't check your brains at the door. They checked them at the door. Uh, But but now he's on on radio, so the guys in Bible study, they're getting confused. They're going, what's happening? And I said, listen, Jesus said nobody will know the day or time. Jesus. Harold says he knows the day or time. I said, Jesus, Harold. Jesus, how? Guys, it's an, easy, it's an easy answer here. You don't know, have to pray about this. You know, just cut it loose. And, and so clearly we understand from God's word, he has told us, you'll know the seasons. I believe one of the biggest things that got the time clock of prophecy ticking was the return of Israel to its land in 1948. And it's an amazing thing. No group of people who's lost their homeland has ever maintained or kept their identity for more than four generations or 200 years, nobody. We're all, unless you're a Native American in here this morning, we're all from all over different places, but we're all Americans, you know, and give it a couple of years, you know, and you lose your identity. But the Jews, it's not four generations, it's not 200 years, it's 2000 years, and they never lost their identity, They, they always kept it. And the Lord said that he would scatter them, the temple would come down just like Jesus said, what said would happen happened 70 AD, scattered throughout the world, and persecuted people hate nation. Are you kidding me? Look at the history of the Jewish people the last 2,000 years, it's unbelievable. And yet, here they are back in the land today, it's, it's unbelievable. Bible prophecy Isaiah 2,700 years ago when they go into the land, it will be like a desert, but they will turn it into or make it a well watered garden. It was a desert because it was nomadic people, and Israel was a desert. Today Israel is the third largest fruit producer in the whole world, the size of New Jersey. It's unbelievable what they have done. I saw the picture just this week on Facebook of all tulips and flowers. He came up in the desert. What, What has happened? But Isaiah said this would happen 2,700 years ago, and he said specifically, it will be a desert and it will become a garden. And exactly that has happened. And this is where the Bible just gives us a lot of, Bible prophecy is never vague or general. It is specific and it is accurate. When it talks about how the sun is going to grow stronger and it's going to, to burn us. And what is everybody freaked out? Sunscreen, sunscreen, you know what's happening? The, the thing that God's word is true all the way, completely. And you look at the different things that it says again and again, and, and the fulfillment of those things. It's just phenomenal, all that the Lord has given us uh, in his word in these days and the things that are unfolding before us. Jesus made a statement, and he said, if God did not shorten the time, man would have destroyed himself. Jesus said the human race would destroy itself if he did not shorten the days, intervene in history, and stop it. We would have destroyed ourselves. When Jesus said that two thousand years ago, they were throwing spears and they had a sword and a shield. Nobody's destroying the human race with spears and swords. That's not happening. But today, it's a little different picture, isn't it? Oh yeah, it is. And then you got people who think they would be doing God's word to work to set off nukes and wipe out as many innocent people as you possibly can. We're right there. I mean, we're and Jesus told us this is what that's going to look like. Here it is. And so as we look at these things and we understand this stuff, it should be something that should cause us to be focused, that in this life, you and I are passing through. You and I are passing through. This world is not our home. And when we understand and just say, God, whatever you want me to do, how you want me to live, the people you want me to bless or you to me to touch or whatever it is, Lord, I just want to wanna do what you've called me to do. And just walk that out. God's got stuff. I believe every single person who names the name of Christ has been given gifts and abilities. It doesn't matter that you don't know. It doesn't matter. You, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I walked around my, all my years in Bible school going out. What are you? I go, I don't know. You know. Everybody seemed to know. Everybody said, I didn't know. You know. But when I left school, well, oh, I knew right away where I was supposed to go first, Brooklyn Teen Challenge. And had no thought about jail ministry or no thought that the Lord would lead me in there. Any of that would happen. 35 years later, I had left there this morning, ministering the word of God to these guys. Tremendous spiritual time with, with these. With the, and it's a couple of the officers, too, which is kind of cool. We pray for the officers and just said the, the Lord would go to work, you know, by his spirit. God, God wants to work and move. But whatever it, every one of us has something. Has something God wants us to do. Something that's eternal. Something that's going to live beyond us. Something that's going to matter and after we're gone. That that we've, we've we've done, but we have to walk with him in this process, and we we got to read. Okay, so let's go. Here we go. So, uh, perfectly, uh, for you yourselves so no perfectly comes. To name it. Verse three. For when they say peace and safety, then suddenly destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and and so there's going to be a sense in the world, and and we won't get into all this, but I think the peace and safety is going to be the rise of the Antichrist and him looking like he's going to solve all the world problems and people are going to go, this guy is our guy, not exactly, and then it goes on. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. For you are sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. And so the Lord is, is see the... The Bible is a book of all that God has done for me and you, and that's the, the tone of the whole Bible is all the promises, all that He has done for me and you. That's what is. And then here and there He'll say, "Okay, now you got to do this," you know. All of this, <laughs> God. I was talking to Jason when we were driving out from from um, uh, jail this morning, coming back to church. We were talking about Isaiah chapter fifty-eight, and I said, "The Lord he gives two verses of what He wants us to do." And then the rest of the chapter is 18 promises. And Jason just busts out laughing. 18, he busts out laughing. 18 promises of all he'll do for us if we will but obey these two things he wants us to do. You know, and, and so here it's the Lord is letting us know. We need to be alert. We need to be awake spiritually. We don't want to be those who sleep. We want to be watching. Because why? Because you and I are, are living in, in a spiritual day and time that is, that is becoming darker, which the Lord has told us would happen. All of this, again, I believe, is going to flow out of our connectedness to the Lord. See, if I'm connected to Jesus, I'm not going to do some wacky thing. I'm not going to get sidetracked and think, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm just tired of being a Christians. I'm going to hang out in a bar or do something. I'm not going to go do something off the wall if I'm connected to Jesus. The problem is, I think how the enemy works in my life and your life is, you know, I came from a real wicked lifestyle March would be 43 years ago, 42 years ago, real wicked lifestyle. Those things are not a temptation to me. Those things, there's no pull there. That stuff is gone. But if the enemy can somehow get me to be separated from the Lord and and be distant from him, and then somehow in that time period, something begins to work in my heart, then I can be in trouble. You understand? I could be in trouble, not because of old stuff, but because I can't afford to be distant from Christ. Jesus said, you have to abide in me. He said, if you're apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, who wants that to be my legacy? At At the end of the day, I did nothing. Who wants that to be a legacy? Nobody wants that. None of us want that. But the Lord's saying the key is this, is abiding, is be connected to me. Because why? Because the life flow comes from the Lord. One of the things in Isaiah 58 that I love, the Lord says, you will be like a well-watered garden whose waters never fail. Why don't the waters ever fail? Because they're coming from Jesus. Then because Jesus is watering the garden, you're the garden, then, then what's happening? You know, your life is becoming fruitful. What does the garden exist for? To bless other people. I mean, my great-grandfather, he, his whole backyard was a garden, and he never sold anything. He just But he had zucchinis. He could pile them up. Zucchinis, tomatoes, eggplants, had everything. And he, what did he do? He gave them to the neighbors. He gave them to people. People loved the stuff that he had because the old, you know, the green thumb from Sicily and, and all that. And figs, figs. He would just give it all away. What was the garden for? The garden was for feeding others, blessing others. The garden never consumed the stuff on itself. It never does. You've never seen a tomato plant eating zucchini. It doesn't do that. You know what I mean? No. It, it exists for some other reason. And when we understand this, we go, okay, I, I want to be... The well watered garden. I want to be the well watered garden. And the fact of the matter is, you and I have Jesus. There's people that need it. There's people that need what we got. They, they just do. And we have to see and understand and know that, that this is what he wants for us. Okay, back to this. So, verse 3. So, when they say peace and safety, suddenly destruction comes upon them. Labor, I said, yeah. Uh, as uh, labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. I remember Joanna's pregnancies very well. long 30s, 30, 36, 34 years ago. I remember like yesterday, I just do. I remember her sitting next to me, two hours, nothing's happening, maybe nothing at all, you know. And she had no buildup. you know, they have a build-up, slow no. She went from nothing to <laughs> Like that, you know, grab my arm, scream it, you know, like that. And then after coming in, she goes, "I want to go home." I go, "Honey, we passed that point now. There's no go. There's no going home. You know, we're in all the way now. There's no going home, you know." But it was just you. You're not stopping that. I mean, you're not. St- you can you can wish you could stop it, or you can wish you could change your mind, or come over. No, no, no. Now it's it's you're in all the way. Those pains come, banga, You know what I mean? It's just you know, all, it's it's time, and it's going to happen. And that's where we, as we look at God's word here. The Lord's just saying, it's going to come. Verse 4, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that the day should take overtake you as a thief. Oh, I did the sons of the light. Verse 6, I'm sorry. Therefore, let us uh, not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Sorry, did that. Verse 7, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, uh, get drunk at night. And so I don't think he's necessarily talking about just going out and getting drunk. I think what he's saying is, if you, if you move away from the light, you're going to be slipping into darkness. And if you slip into darkness, then you're going to fall, you know, in, in whatever way that is. And if the sin itself doesn't matter, what matters is now you become powerless because you've cut yourself off from the source of life, which is Jesus. And, and, and we got to get back to that, verse eight. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet of salvation, the, uh, as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we live together with him. And so here now he's talking about the confidence of their salvation, that they know that. And, and the Lord has done, the Lord saves us. The Lord uh, did that on the cross for us, what we could never do. But then in the process of that, he says, but now there's something you need to do. And he's talking about putting on the breastplate, putting on the helmet. There's there's something that you need to do in that you are taking up what I have given you, what I've given you. And that's where, again, all of that stuff, the helmet, that's all promises of God. It's not like that's a job you got to do. you got to take it on. Well, how do you take it on? There's only one way. You take it on by faith. We we talked about this in our men's group yesterday. Uh, When you look at the prodigal son, you have the older brother. The older brother was at home, so he's a picture of the Christian, and yet he was angry when his brother was saved. He wouldn't come in the house. Uh, He had horrible attitudes where he should have been rejoicing in love, Uh, and the father comes out to him, and, and he lays out all his complaints, all this different stuff that he's just so unhappy, and the father makes one statement to him. He said, son, all that's in my house was yours. All that's in my house was yours. In other words, the father was saying, everything I possess, I got, I got for you. And you could have had it in any time you wanted, but you did not. Now, Alan Redpath would say that older brother is a picture of the majority of Christians. Alan Redpath, I didn't say that. If you get mad, I didn't say it. Alan Redpath said it. He said, that pig, that's a picture of the majority of Christians. He said, because they live below their inheritance. God has all of this for them, all this richness, all this life, all this blessing, all the, and they live out here somewhere, and they're struggling along, and they're manifesting lousy attitudes, and they're not being the people God wants them to be, but all they had to do, was partake of their inheritance. Everything in my house was yours. The father is a picture of God. In that story, prodigal son, clearly, 100%. How was that boy supposed to receive his inheritance? Only one way. Only one way he'd receive his inheritance, and that is the way of faith. He had to believe. He had to believe that what God had promised him, he would surely do. So do you believe that God is for you and he's not against you? Do you believe that there's nothing that can ever separate you from the love of Jesus Christ? Do you believe that God is able to work all things together for good in your life? Even when it's hard and painful and suffering and sickness, do you believe what he says? Because he says those things. Joseph believed it, he suffered 13 years. He believed it. He believed that what God had promised God would do. Abraham believed it. What God had promised he would surely do. But it's all a matter of faith. So when you and I look at that, we said, okay, So what's the way to faith? How does that happen? Well, the Bible goes, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We were talking to the guys this morning in jail about this. Again, we were saying that the primary way God is going to talk to you is as you meditate upon the Bible. And it doesn't matter how bad a reading level you have or how you're not trained academically, or none of that, or none of that. You just take a verse, you pray, ask God to speak to you, And God is going to start communicating to you, and you're going to start growing spiritually, and you're going to start becoming a different person. And they would look at me. One of the guys afterwards, he goes, you're really a theologian, right? I go, no, I'm not a theologian. You're this and that. I go, no, I'm none of that. I said, all I am is a person that meditates on the Bible. You know so much in the Bible. I said, all that is is a lot of years, but it's a guy who just put the Bible first, meditating upon it. And when I first read it as an atheist, well, when I became saved, I was an atheist, as a Christian. Old King James somebody gave me. I'm not a good reader, you know, and I'm reading thee and yea and thee and thou. And I'm like, well, it's a foreign language, you know. I'll never get this. And then guess what? The light started coming on, and I read one verse. Banga, he's talking to me. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the sea. Oh, okay. I that's why I live my whole life. Forget that. You got to find the other way. What's the other way? Meditate on the word of the Lord day and night, and you'll become like a tree planted by rivers of water. I'm understanding this. I want to be the tree. I don't want to be that guy wandering around like an idiot. You know, I want to. I want some substance to be in my life. And as we look at these things, we understand the word of God it becomes life transforming, but it happens on a personal level. See, the thing is, you can't change me, and I can't change you. Only one that can do that is the Lord. And if this connection's not working, you, you, you're not gonna have it. That's it, I'm not gonna have it. If, if I allow myself to be separated, I'm in trouble. I need to be with him. I need to be connected. I need that life flow that's there. This is why years ago on my first day, John, it's, it's funny how I'm not a big numbers person. I have people say, they say different things. But John, I'll look at a, at a watch sometimes, and I'll see you this morning. 7.37, where's Teddy? But Teddy wasn't coming. 7.37, where's Teddy? Uh, I look 7.37, and I think right away, John 7.37. If any man thirsts. Whenever I see 7.37 on the clock, wherever it is, I always think of John 7.37. If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believes by faith at in the most part of his being Will flow rivers of living water. I always thought that that was just for salvation. Till years later, I'm meditating on the Bible, and the Lord goes, "That's for you. you Maybe that's for me. I say a long time ago, ten years. Maybe it's for me. No, it's for you. What do you mean it's for me? It's for you because if you're not thirsty this morning, then you're not drinking deeply. If you're not thirsty, if you're not desiring me, then you're not connected. If you're not thirsty, you need to wake up thirsty every day. You need to pray like that every day. You need to be in that place. And as you believe by faith." The Lord says, then from the innermost part of your being will flow rivers of the living water. See, when you and I understand that, we realize and go, this is really not about us at all. Because we, no, we got none of that. As I said, we can't change anybody. You know, it's hard enough working ourselves. But the fact of the matter is, when Jesus is in you and flowing through you, then stuff's going to happen. It's just going to happen. The Lord's just going to work. He's going to do things. And, and, and it's exciting. And, and we, get to, we get to see that. Okay, back to where we were here. So, where the heck was I? I fell for salvation. Uh, t- nine, okay, for God did not appoint us, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should be together, him Here we said that, verse 11, therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. See, I believe that if you and I are the older brother in that story, we're not comforting one another, we're not edifying one another, we're not building up, we're tearing down. But if you and I are in Father's house, and that inheritance of richness that Jesus has for me and you is ours, then guess what we're doing? We're doing the works of the Lord. We're loving our brothers and sisters, we're building them up, we're edifying them, we're praying for them, we're caring for them, we're, we're doing the very things that Jesus would have us to do. But again, I can't live below my inheritance. I can't live out there somewhere When Jesus goes, all of this is yours, all of this is yours, but the question is, am I partaking of it? It's it's like somebody sent you a meal, and you look at it, you walk away, and you don't eat, you know what I mean? Look at that, everything, oh, it all looks good, but see you later, I'm out. What, you know? No, if you partake of it, then what happens? Then you receive what you need from that meal naturally, nutrition, and so on and so forth. Jesus would say, man shall not live by bread alone, Italians have a hard time with that. Man shall not live by bread alone, but so do the Greeks. The Greeks have bread all the time. So me, so me, so me, enough of the bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so we go spiritually, Jesus saying, this is what you need, man, spiritually. See, you and I can spend a lot of time chasing stuff that we think is going to make us happy and always come up empty, you know. And we come to Jesus, and the Lord goes, I got what you need. I, I, got, I got what you need. I can put this to rest. I can satisfy you. To be a satisfied person, godliness with contentment is great gain. A lot of Americans are not content, you know. We got the goals. We got what we want. We got to get this, that, that, and this, and whatever. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Okay, back to uh, Romans. Here we go. So let's wake up. I'll just read the PowerPoint there. The coming of the Lord is drawing near. The enemy of our soul has come down with great wrath. It is not time to grow weak, weary, or distracted. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit's power. Now, the second one, our cleanup here, is verses 12 and 13. Let's take a look at verses 12 and 13. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust. Not in strife and envy. And so here now is t- talking about our lives being spiritual lives and, and being cleaned up. Now, again, well, we'll turn with me if you would. to First John chapter two, verse 28. Turn with me there, and we'll, we'll speak. First John uh, chapter two and verse 28. First John chapter two and verse 28. See, what the Lord is not doing is in that, those verses giving us a bunch of do's and don'ts. And he's not giving us a bunch of rules and regulations either. But what he's trying to show us is that if you and I are in that place of connectedness to him, then we're gonna walk in the light. But if somehow, if somehow we move away from that, we move away from that, we're not going to, we're not going to. We had a number of young men, we had seven young men uh, go to the School of Ministry years ago. You know, I'm so proud of Vinny and I'm so proud of Mitch and you know, Frankie and, and, and uh, the guys. But there's a number of young men that were at that school who some of the teachers in the beginning thought they were the most gifted young guys and all that kind of stuff. And, and there's a group of them that are not walking with the Lord at, at all today. They're just not. They're not in the ballpark at all. They're, they're out. You know? And so you can go, did they know the Lord? Absolutely they know the Lord. There's no way you couldn't say these guys are saved, man. These guys are saved 100%. You know, they were in all the way. But somehow, in the course of time, the enemy got in, because that's what he wants to do, and he began to take them off somewhere else. It wasn't a matter of do's and don'ts for them. You understand? It wasn't a matter of the Lord going, oh, no, don't do that. Oh, no, don't go there. Oh, no, don't. No, the Lord wants their hearts, like he wants your heart and my heart. He wants their hearts. If he's got their hearts, then he's got them. But if somehow they distance themselves, now, all of a sudden, their heart begins to go for something else either fame or fortune or money or the pursuit of worldly things whatever and and off they go and as they go and as they go to me it's just sad. I can I got to tell you it's heartbreaking. I prayed for some of these guys and just wept, just wept because I saw them serving Christ full on and and then to see them away. It's just it's it's uh, you know, horrible to me. It's just horrible, it's sad it, you, you kind of don't want to think about it. But you you can't deny reality either. Go, no, this 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 is real. That's a real thing. So when the Lord is telling us these things, it's not like he's trying to give us a bunch of rules and regulations. You can't go here, you can't go there, or don't do this or don't do that. What he's saying is you have to remain connected to me. You have to remain connected to me in relationship so that you don't get picked off. Because the problem is that if I allow distance between me and the Lord, then I'm going to end up opening a door to some kind of darkness. And as I open a door to some kind of darkness, now the enemy's in. He's on me. He's in. I, I've done that. God did, God could have overcome. God could be victorious. Jesus defeated him. And that's what you and I have to know that. You know, you older folks, you know, the old Flip Wilson, the devil made you do it. That don't carry it. No, the devil didn't make you do anything. What, what, what it is with us is that we open a door and we give him room. And if we give him room, he's coming. But the Bible says, greater is He, Jesus, that's in you than He that's in the world, which is the devil, which means it's, it's, it's a no fear situation. Surfers were the ones, by the way, that created that no fear. They, other people stole it and made clothes from it, or whatever. But the surfers, no fear. No, you take off on that wave, it's breaking on your head. You t- anyway, no fear. No fear. It's a no fear situation, which means what? We, we have confidence. Christ has vanquished the devil. Come on, He has. And then you see churches, they do the boogeyman thing, and they think that Christians got demons and and, uh, stupid stuff, ridiculous things. No, the only way the enemy gets in is you and I make a decision. And that's why in Romans 8, when he gives us that list, he goes, nothing can separate you from love of Christ. Not height, nor depth, nor principalities, nor power, nor rule, wickedness, nothing. Nothing can separate you. And he goes through all of these things that are external things and said, none of them can pull you away from Jesus. Only this. Only this. And, and that's, we just, we, we got to know that. We have to know that. And, and, and know the power there is in us uh, uh, being connected to him. Okay, here we go. Verse 28, so, and now little children, John being gentle. <laughs> I'll tell you what, first John, there's places he ain't gentle. He about slam, you know, you say this, you're a liar. But anyway, I wouldn't say that, uh, but John did. Uh, but now little children abide in him, meaning Jesus, that when he appears, Jesus, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And so he's telling us to, to walk, at, walk out the relationship, walk out the relationship connected. We looked before Christmas, I think we, we looked at the, at the ten virgins and the five that didn't have oil in their lamps and they weren't ready when the Lord returned and, and they were caught off guard. We, we looked at those things. If you, verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. See, when you and I have a spiritual birth and you and I are filled with the Holy Spirit and, and the Lord begins to go to work in us, that what that means is that we are going to be changed and we're just going to begin to practice righteousness. We're just going to begin to do godly things. And, and nobody has to coach us on that. Nobody has to tell us to do that. It, it's just that it, it just happens. And that's where my experience was not necessarily good because I was completely disconnected from everybody. But when I got saved... As an atheist, I just moved from Florida back to New York. I came back to New York. I got saved. I didn't know anything about Christianity. I didn't know anyone or any of that, none of it. All I knew was the word of God is talking to me. I just knew that. I, just a verse, but it, he, man, the Lord's talking to me. And then I, he, I, I he'd, I'd pray in the morning. I read something and, and apply it to my life. And this is what they, the ladies are talking about: the yada, taking the Word of God and God speaking to you and, and becoming one with Him. And 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 uh, I go into work, and and the very thing I meditated on in the morning, I hit at work, bang. And I said, the Lord knew that was just unbelievable. So when I got off work, guess what I wanted to do? It wasn't like the old days. I wasn't going to run to the club or run to this or run to that or run to the drugs or run to that. I wanted to run back to the Bible. God is talking. Like this, you know. I mean, I would be excited. Not and Again, not every single day. Not every single day, but many times. You know? and, and then it happened again and again. And, the, and I'd go, he's talking to me through the book. And what began to happen was I just knew what had to go in my life. Nobody had to tell me. Nobody had to perch themselves on my shoulder. I I knew my immorality gone, club gone, drugs gone. There was no second wasted on any of that. When I got saved, I'm done. And then certain things, language, Lord, help me, please. I I don't want to curse anymore. I don't want to be nasty, foul. I don't want to fight people. And it just go, 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 go. And the Lord just working on me. So by the time I got in church, like three months later, if you would met me, you'd go, oh, he's a Christian, because I looked like a Christian, sounded like a Christian, and I was okay, you know what I mean, spiritually, because of Jesus, not because somebody gave me a bunch of rules and regulations. And that's where when the church does that to people, and they, they relegate this wonderful relationship of life down to a bunch of do's and do's. you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that, that, that that's called legalism. And Paul the Apostle said, there's death that waits there, that's it. You're doing that as a Christian, there's death that waits there. That's it. There is no life in that. The life is in the grace of God, the grace of God that can reach down to the lowest person, the darkest person, and transform their life. We all love that. Hollywood loves the song Amazing Grace. Hollywood loves it. We all love that song Amazing Grace. John Newton was a captain of a slave ship. You couldn't be a worse man than that man was, a darker man than that man was. This guy was as bad as you could be until he got saved. And then what happened? The Lord went to work in his heart, and it a few years, and he becomes a pastor. And then as a pastor, there's a rich spoiled politician whose father bought him a seat in parliament, and he's a party animal, whatever. And he wins him the Christ, William Wilberforce. And the pastor and the politician, God uses the two of these men to bring down slavery in the entire British Empire, never done in any empire that ever existed that had slavery until the empire was destroyed. Never was it ever brought down, except the British Empire, by by the the captain of the slave ship. How How can that be? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind. But now I see, and that's what happens. When you receive spiritual life, it's like the lights come on. You know, all of a sudden, you start, well, look what's going on, you know? And for me, clearly, it was like the lights came. I knew nothing. I mean, I was filled with myself. I was arrogant as you could be when I got saved. But when all of a sudden the Lord came in, I realized I was like an idiot, a moron, all these years of the stupidity of things I was doing and people I was where I was treating people and, and all this other stuff, it was just darkness, darkness. You know, and, and it was a repulsion to that because of Christ in me. It wasn't that you, somebody tell me rules and regulations, you can't do this, you can't do that. It wasn't that at all. It was something far greater than that. Okay, let's get back to this. Where are we 28, uh, confidence. I mean, if you know that. Yeah, okay, verse uh, 3-1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. It's, it's unbelievable. I and mean, when you really understand this. See, some people think that you're you're going to be a child of God if you become a good person. The problem is none of us are good people, and none of us can become good people. Only the Lord can really change us and transform us, and that he would take us on our worst day. See, the prodigal son in that story, when that boy was destroyed when he came home, destroyed, And the father ran out to meet him, which never happened in that culture. The patriarch, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob ran for nobody. They were like the kings. He ran out to meet him, and he tackled him with love. He fell on him. He's smelly, stinky, pig, and he's kissing him and hugging him, ring on the finger. You're my son. And you look at that whole picture, and you say, there is the heart of God. There's God wants me and you to be his child. God wants people that are lost to be a child. God wishes we were there to, this morning with the men in jail, Second Peter chapter 3, 9, I think. Uh, God wishes that none would perish, but that all would be saved. But people think, oh, God's damning people, send them to hell, wants to destroy people. It's all lies. It's all lies. If you and I end up in hell, we have done that. We've gotten ourselves there. God didn't get us there. We got ourselves there. We have to know that. Because he's laboring to keep us out of there. That's what he says. He gave everything in Christ to do that. And the work of the Holy Spirit today in the world and all these other things. When we look at that, we realize, go, no, it's, it's a different thing. It's a different thing. You know, but the Lord has this, this rich relationship with us, that we should be called the child of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. And so people might not recognize. But at the same time, you and I can't just let that put us off. So we looked at unsaved people and we just reject them in our minds and hearts. We can't, because we don't know what's going on with them. We don't know the pain that they're in. We don't know, they may keep up a front, they may do whatever, but we just, we, it's so vital that we just walk in in love no matter what. It's just so vital because you you never know, you just never know. you know how God will use that in life of a person and it could be long term long range it could be a lot of different things verse 2 beloved we are now, we now we are the children of God and yet uh, and yet it has not yet uh, been revealed what we shall be but we know that when we but when he is revealed we shall be like him and and that's good enough for me i'm, I'm good i'm good with that okay i'm going to be like him for when we shall see him as he is and everyone who has this hope And there's something about that, and that's why when we do, we're having the memorial after this. You know, there's something about a person, knowing a person is with the Lord, knowing a person is in heaven, knowing that they had a relationship with Christ. There is hope that's in our hearts and in our souls. We still grieve. We still have pain and sorrow. We still have that, but there is still, there is a hope that we have. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself that he, uh, just as he is pure. And so here, it's telling us that we are to remove anything that would pollute us. Okay, back to uh, we, we got to go quick now. Back to uh, Romans uh, thirteen one, and, and uh, thirteen verse fourteen. Last verse. This is a really powerful verse, favorite of mine, and and, and then it's 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 got that question of you go okay. Sounds great. How do I do it? And we're gonna we're gonna look at this. We're gonna look at this, okay? Verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision uh, for the make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts. And so we see: put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. And so here we see. What the Lord is calling us to. Now I, we're going to get this. Uh, here's the answer. Now, oh, to the men that were here yesterday um, at the men's group, uh, this message was prepared a month ago. So, <laughs> yeah, this didn't come out of yesterday, even though there's a lot of connections. Second Peter chapter one. If you would turn with me to there, the men are going to go. Oh, what's he doing? Here we go. Second Peter uh, chapter one verses two through four. Put on. The Lord Jesus Christ. So, what does that look like? What does that mean? You know, how do we do that? How do we walk that out? And and here you're going to see that I, I believe pretty clearly, verses uh, two through four. Verse, uh second Peter chapter one, verse two. Verse three. We'll, we'll do verse three. Time's sake, we'll do verse three. Second Peter, chapter one, verse three. Here we go. Maybe. No, no, here we go. Uh, as, as, his, as his divine power, this is the Lord, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So we said, how do you put in the Lord Jesus Christ? Here it says the Lord has given us all things that we need that pertain to us living a godly life that you and I can live a godly life in this world, you and I can live a godly life, and we are called by him, and so he's given us all things. How many things might that be? All things, everything. Everything you and I need is in Christ. See, the problem becomes, in our hearts as Christians, is that when things don't go the way we want them to, that somehow, somehow, we begin to think that there's an answer someplace else, or we begin to, or we, be, we get upset, you know, buy this, you know, like that. My heart went out this morning. Our sister Tracy and Linda attended church here for a long time, and uh, she was in uh, uh, the um, emergency room, and she said her mom has been going through chemotherapy with with, uh, cancer, and then she fell, and she broke something, and they couldn't. Uh, find what it was, and she's languishing in pain. They gave her uh, morphine, it had no effect on her. She's a little lady, no effect on her at all. And I could just hear in Tracy's voice as she's writing, you know, I can't, it's just too much. You know, the suffering that's there. I wrote to her right away, I fully identified. I walked that road with my wife many times. I walked that road with my dad many times. I've been in that situation a lot. Not from a distance, up close and personal. And it's just, it's just difficult. When you're going through those things, the one thing too, it was just you know, uh, in the midst of that, Nicole brought out my dad's funeral back in May. She said when, when Dad was in the emergency room at that time at Southside, you know, uh, I'd gotten him there. I, you know, he fell, he he bruised his, his pelvic bone. And he hit his head in the wheelchair, and he was bleeding. You know, that wasn't bad, but the blood, you know, the head wounds are bleeding all over. He had blood all over. So Nicole goes running into emergency room. She's she's concerned about my dad, and he's in the bed, and he blood all over. Him. And she goes, "Grandpa, Grandpa, how you doing?" He goes, "Romans 8:28, all things work together for good." Like that, you know. Now that will kind of that kind of cheer you up a little bit. You know what I mean? Go. He looks like he's been mugged. You know, he's a, and he's telling me Romans 8:28. You know what I mean, like that. So in his situation, like that. But the thing is. When we're facing stuff, see, we're facing things like that, and we don't see it. That, that's where we can get jammed up, and we just think and go, where is God? Why is he allowing this? Why are we suffering? Why is, you know, and, and, and it can cause us uh, problems, and so that's, that's the thing, but it says here, the Lord will give us everything. The Lord will give us everything that we need, and, and again, <laughs> I, I believe this uh, from experience, not from reading, not from academics. I believe this from experience. There's times I've sat down and I've just thought through all the things I went through with my wife and with my father, and I go, "How, how did I do that? You know, how did I do?" That? Now they did. They did the hard part. I mean, they did the physical stuff. But how did I handle all of that stuff? How did I handle? That? I, I'm in the hospital with her 24 hours. Uh, she has blood clots. They don't want to put her on Coumadin. My dad, they put her on Monday. We finally leave all night long, all that We get home and say, no, no, we can't find them now. They disappeared. Thank you, Lord. You know, We go home, and then my dad's leg explodes from Coumadin. They race him to the hospital, VA. They slice him open, 24 inches. Uh, he has compartment syndrome, and he's going to be in a wheelchair for two months with an open wound like that, and he's just messed up, man. He's messed up. You know, and, and you look at all that stuff and go, how, how, do, I, how do I handle that? How do I how, you know, kill somebody? You know, I mean, I want to blame all them. You, what did you guys do to my father? You know what I mean? And, and, and I, I researched and everything. But the, the fact is, the fact is, Jesus is the only one that can help us when it comes to this kind of stuff. Only one that can help us. And he will help us. He's watching over us. He's, he's stepping away. When Joanna, a few months before that, Joanna went into Huntington Hospital, she kept saying, you know, honey, I just feel kind of like weak and, and, and out of it. She feels weak all the time. Uh, so I wasn't panicking over that. But we walked into the hospital. And as we went into the hospital, her heart stopped. If we were, if we were delayed at home, that's it. That's it. She's gone. And I look, and I go, Lord, this is unbelievable. Right at the right time, they were Meh. They, they put her in a recovery room. They couldn't even get to the operating room. And they put a thing in, got her heart going and everything. And I'm like, it's unbelievable. I said, just moments away, the whole picture changes. Everything changes. But God, you're right there. You're not far away. You know I can't handle this, Lord. I can't handle losing it, not now, not now. You know, I can't but the fact of the matter is, the, the lord the lord will be there for us we just have to know he has all things and we got to get to the important verse here we, next one so verse 4 this is it and we're, we're done we'll be half an hour no no I'm kidding but by which I'm joking by which I'm only serious by which have been given <laughs> given to us now I, I got to get these words here by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises great and so the Lord isn't like Ebenezer Scrooge. It went through Christmas recently, you know. The, the, listen, the Muppet Scrooge is the best one. But anyway, forget that. The Lord, isn't, the Lord isn't Ebenezer Scrooge. He's not Ebenezer. No, he has a lot. He's loaded with this stuff. He's loaded with mercy, loaded with grace. He's, he's the opposite of that. Great, exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you might buy mansions, airplanes, limousines, Rolex watches, you guys have a different translation you guys have a different translation oh okay okay let's see see. that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust how do we escape sin how do we escape lust how do we escape that we become like jesus and he has given us the, the bible you have to know this the bible is a book of great and precious promises that he's given me and you because pastors us pastors teachers we mess it up sometimes and we want to tell the people you got to do this you got to do that you know and we want to want to motivate people whatever it may be uh but that's not the bible the bible is consumed with what god has done for us not what we have to do for him what god has done for us when you and i understand all that god has done for us then we understand all that's in father's house you understand? Then we're not out here. We're not doing that stuff. No, this is all that's in Father's house that I can become like him. See, if you and I are becoming like him, then the words of Jesus, he said, Jesus said, when unbelievers come in your midst, they're going to see the love that you have for each other. And they're going to know you're really my followers. You're my disciples, you know. That's what we're going to look like if we're in here with the inheritance. But if we're out here, the people are going to come in and go, man, my buddies in a bar are happy in these people. I'm out of here. You know what I mean? And they're going to go. Because why? Because We're failing. We're living below where he wants us to live. We have to know that. We have to know how important it is. But he says, great and precious promises. I mean, I, you, I, I got stuff for you. I got stuff for you. You know, this the word is so filled with that. And that you might do what? Be a partaker of the divine nature. So everything that Jesus is concerned about is, is what? Really simply, that you and I become like him. Because of sin entered the picture, because paradise was lost, because we were swept away, Jesus came to restore us to God, and as he restores us to God, that we would begin to look more and more like him. That's it. We would just look like him. And that's not like religious programs. And we're doing thing. It's not, no, it's just that I look like Jesus, that you look like Jesus. And that somewhere along the line, that's going to impact somebody. You understand? That's going to impact somebody. When I was at Fredericks, Frederick, I, I ran the front of the house. Frederick was the owner and chef. He ran the kitchen. He had a assistant chef with him, a young guy. They, these guys would tear me up all day long. I mean, just Moses, Moses, and they would just call me stuff and curse me and whatever they would do. You know. And that's not a really bright management pr- principles because I'm the next guy in line with him. But anyway, they would do that anyway. But the young guy there, he just followed Fred's example. And then like all the cooks in the kitchen, one went after him with a shovel. Another guy tried to run him over to the parking lot. Uh, this guy left the highway as well. It just it wasn't good. He left. So a couple of years go by. Maybe a year goes by. Saturday night, I'm closing up. It's like 1 o'clock in the morning. And Brian walks in. Brian, Fred left a while ago, you know, uh, like that. And he goes, I didn't come for Fred. I came for you. What do you mean? He said, alcohol is destroying me. And I know you're the person I need to, I need to talk to, you know, and I was blown away. This guy never had a nice word to say about me. Understand for a long time, he's, you know, but the fact of the matter is God will give us what we need when we rely on Jesus to walk out this life, which isn't going to be easy. But he, Jesus, the creator of the universe, maker of heaven and earth, he can handle it. You know, the thing is, we just need to be joined to him so that that power and, and that life is filling us. And when that takes place and that happens, then God's gonna use us in this world. And, and we'll be a blessing to people, we will. And then th- eternal things will happen, stuff will happen, God will go to work, we'll get stories, I got stories, I get stories, you know, and just say, the Lord is amazing, the Lord is amazing. Why, because he loves people. He loves people way more than me and you do. And he loves them, and he wants to see them saved. And he doesn't care how nasty they are or bad they are, any of that stuff, and we shouldn't be looking at them like that either. But just go, no, he loves them, he loves them. And they need to see from me and encounter nothing but love, nothing but love, no judgment, no condemnation. No, that's all the devil's business, really. When Christians do that, they don't understand how far away from God they are. They really don't, you know, because he's the condemner. Jesus is never the condemner. He said he's at the right hand of God praying for us. He's on our side. He's on our side. And We know that we, we have a rich inheritance. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time this morning. We're so grateful for the love you have for each one of us. I just lift up each person that's here to you today, and I pray your hand be upon us. I pray, Lord, that you just draw us close, that we would grow in our love for you, our relationship with you, and that you would do that work that you desire to do in transforming us in making us uh, more and more like Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the open door we have. Thank you for your precious blood. And we don't want to be like the older brother, Lord. We don't want to stand afar off. We don't want to stand outside. We want to come in, Lord. All that's in Father's house is ours. Lord, you paid the price. You purchased it all. You made a way where there was no way. And so, Lord, we want to partake of that. We want to have communion with you. We want to be filled by you. We want to be changed by you, Lord. Do that work of making us a blessing, beginning in our own homes If we're married in our marriages with children, families, grandchildren, Lord, take our lives and make them a blessing to people in this life that need you, Lord, too. Lord, use us. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Thank you for all that you are doing and all that you will do. And, Lord, let us live knowing that your coming is drawing near. You could come at any time, Lord, and we want to walk in the light of that truth and be a blessing to people in this life. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.